everybody to this Med Student Over Easy segment. I am Andy Little, your Game Over Easy host, and I have three special guests here with me. I have Jeff Comp. Hello. Thank coming you. to us from Maricopa Valley Wise, Crichton University, Phoenix, and five other things that they've yeah. added in the yeah. last five Featuring years. Featuring this, formerly known as, yeah. And then we've got two awesome people from Loma Linda University, Dina Benjamin and Molly Estes. And hey, everybody. So I feel like this is when we talked about recording a while ago with our crew at EM Over Easy, but I feel like it's a good time to talk about it with the events that have happened. And again, this will come out kind of out of order, but if you didn't know, last week was a, an interesting week for emergency medicine in that a large number of spots didn't fill, a large number of programs. And there's been a lot of shade thrown our way in terms of the future of our specialty. Are we going to survive this? Are we going to like devalue and are they going to break EM up and do something like that? And I don't think that's the case. And really the purpose of this Absolutely next not. 15 to 20 minutes is for us to really kind of remind people that EM is a really cool place to be. But let's talk about, do you think the future of emergency medicine is bright? So my messaging that I've been sending to all of my students ever since I started getting this question. So Tuesday morning of match week, one of my students from another institution texts me, hey, I just heard that emergency medicine is going to cease to exist as a specialty. Is that true? And I hit the floor just absolutely stunned. I could not even believe that this was a thing that was being said because there is no way on God's green earth that we are going to cease to exist as a specialty. And just to provide a little bit of historical perspective, back when emergency medicine first started as a specialty, it was because we fundamentally recognized the need for doctors that are trained and proficient in medicine that spans specialties to deal with acute problems. There is no other specialty out there that deals with acutely presenting problems in the undifferentiated patient. And yes, there's a lot of overlap with other specialties, but nowhere else is that knowledge concentrated other than in emergency medicine. So yes, our specialty is very, very bright because as long as people are making questionable choices. And as long as chest pain happens at 2am, we're not going anywhere because we are the doctors who care for those patients. Yeah. I mean, I I couldn't agree more. I I remember hearing that and someone saying like, well, well, you know, like, what do you think is going to happen to EM as a specialty? And I, I I don't know if I like gave it, I don't know if I was as like, took it as, as serious of a question as I guess it was. And I, I think I probably laughed about it and said, well, I mean, we, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? No. <laughs> um, what do you, what do you like? I don't quite understand the, the question. And, you know, I think the interesting thing is it's always from outsiders that don't understand the intricities, right? I mean, I don't see a lot of people in EM saying, hey, do you guys think our specialty is going to stay around? Right? <laughs> it's kind of a very interesting thing. And we're now feeling these questions of like, well, hey, like, what do you guys think? And my response is, I think that this recent match week is a symptom of an overarching problem that we need to be addressing as a specialty. But we also need to be talking about this granularly as well, right? How can we find the happiness within ourselves to understand that we have the best job in the world? And what are the things that we can modify to make it better? You know, I completely agree. I think when I'd hear that question about what's the future of VM before, I used to chuckle until last week. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, the future in my mind, I keep telling myself is it needs to be bright because EM is not going anywhere. There is no way that we won't have emergency physicians to take care of all of these patients. And you know, I, I started thinking back about why I went into emergency medicine. You see patients from all walks of life. The doors are always open. You're going to take care of people at the on the worst day of their life. They, 
it just, I can't imagine, you know, in the olden days when someone would have a problem related to internal medicine, they would hope that they would see an internist in the emergency department. What if they saw a surgeon or vice versa? And so I think that emergency medicine is the coolest first X amount of time of any specialty. And we take care of all these patients and you know, something happened a week or two ago that kind of reminded me of that. I worked with an off-service resident who happened to also pick up some of the sickest patients in the department. Isn't that how fun that works? <laughs> it's like, I want you to focus Please on... Stop. Please stop. Please stop now. <laughs> They're really good at finding that little old lady that's septic with a blood pressure of like 70 over 40 that can't tell anything. And you're like, how's it? Like how's it? You're the one that picked this patient up. I finished a complete, complete review systems and I found out their social history. They have a dog that's a Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, I had to start chest compressions. Right. But, you know, or a saddle PE, you know, a, patient's that, a patient that has one and... After a couple of patients, she looked over at me and said, wow, emergency medicine is so fun. I can see why you guys went into it. And I just stopped everything I was doing. And I was like, you know what? Yes, this is why we're in emergency medicine, because we are making a difference. So the future is bright because we're not going anywhere. I'm going to read six things off why EM's cool, and we can comment on these. So, so first, the thrill of the challenge. I love that every shift, I'm not going to know what I'm going to see. I don't know if it's going to be a gunshot day, a stabbing day, a chest pain day, a vaginal bleeding day, a little old lady day. You just don't know, right? The technology, we deal with the cutting edge of about everything. You know, we deal with new imaging. We deal with new toys, you know, ultrasound machines, intubation, fun fun things. How to now place a Foley catheter with, with a camera, all these. We get to deal with some really cool technology. The teamwork, I will say it a hundred times over again. We have the best team in medicine. And the best team that can interchange all 30 of its parts and still work. Because by the way, when, when I share with my other medicine colleagues and then friends that aren't in medicine and they're like, so you have the same like five people. I'm like, no, I have, I go to work and there's 30 nurses at work and every day it could be 30 different people. And they're like, well, like your recess room has got to be the same. I was like, nope. And they'll change during a recess because they'll be like, oh, it's lunchtime. Oh, it's snack time. Oh, it's shift change. And by the way, our machine can still run with missing five parts. With missing as five well. parts as well. We don't need a carburetor and an exhaust pipe. We have the best team that can just make it work. Just hopefully um, brakes. <laughs> I think you. Were, I think. It I don't was know even, about you, but my department has no brakes these days. <laughs> yeah. I think it was even John Casey that said, you know, think about for sports analogy, think about starting a basketball game, and every time it's a brand new team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No, hundred percent. That's what we do. Yeah. We go to work and we just sort of say, hey, who do we have today? Who's here and today? As the as the leader, we get to. And I say we get to because we do. We get to optimize the resources we have to allow for people to be the members of the best team. Uh, this one, not so much lately, but the heroism, taking care of people in their darkest hour, be it physical or emotional, one of the most gratifying tasks of an EM physician can engage in. The variety we talked about. And then the satisfaction. And I want to bring that one up kind of last because if you're a medical student, you could go ask 100 EPs, are they satisfied with their job? And the problem is that if you look at the burnout data, which we'll talk about here in a minute, it would make you think that we're not satisfied with our job. And I think there's a difference between satisfied in what we do and being burnout. They are not the same. And so when people see the burnout, oh, 65% of ER docs don't like their job. That's not what that says. It doesn't say that. Because even the people I know that are burned out still enjoy working shifts. They still enjoy taking care of patients because they enjoy being involved in the worst day of people's lives and being able to bring something to them that's, that's a little better than the worst. Well, are they satisfied people or are they satisfied with their jobs, right? Is this someone that is, you know, maybe not optimizing other aspects of life, 
and it's attributed to them. It's attributed to their occupation rather than the fact that there needs to be a little bit more work on the self. But I mean, also emergency physicians, we're very much like, we're going to fix it. We're going to figure out what's wrong and we're going to fix it. And sometimes, yeah, after a shift, things aren't going the best way possible. And all of us are like, well, how can I make this better? And I want to improve it for myself and for my colleagues. And how do I fix some of this? And so that also may come across as like, we're dissatisfied with our job, but we're not. We're trying to make it better because that's part of that personality of, well, how am I going to fix the problem today and maybe tomorrow and the next week? And it's a bad question. You know, 65% of ER docs don't like their job. Well, I don't like my job every single day, but I love my job every single day. I love the mission and I love the care that I'm able to provide for my patients. And I love what drew me to emergency medicine in the first place. I don't like the fact that I'm boarding 70 patients in my department today. That has nothing to do with my job. That has nothing to do with emergency medicine. I mean, it has something to do with my job, but has nothing to do with emergency medicine. No, it's, it's one of those, I don't know if there's a, if you watch Park and Recreation, there's a scene where Leslie Nope tells her partner, Ben, I love you and I like you. And there's a difference, right? I can love something and not like it in the moment. And there are days that I don't like my job. But it's also reassuring that when I reach out to my non-clinical friends, they reassure me that all the things I don't like about my job, they don't like about theirs either. <laughs> Very true. And so it's the, I think not there's unique also, to us. there's also <laughs> like changing the perspective that we are not special in this that it's okay to walk, have shifts of 10 in a row or months in a row where you're like, ah, this sucks. But know that like it gets better. So let's talk about some of the bad real quick, just so we can be honest and put everything on the table. So unpredictable hours. I know I don't want to put anybody who thinks they're going to do, do EM. You are going to work holidays. You're going to work weekends. You're going to work birthdays. You're going to work anniversaries. And frankly, you are going to miss things. So if you are going into this thinking that that's not the case, I am sorry that you will be disappointed. And if that is the case, you have a right to probably just blame yourself because you're being, you're being told again because you'll be told by other people too. We have a high-stress environment, and that's a mix of the split-second decisions we have to make that are typically life or death. And again, when you talk to non-EM physicians and just non-clinicians, we make some pretty crazy decisions with little or no information. Like I, I, had, this, I had this thought about giving TPA in a cardiac arrest for a PE. So I'm going to take a piece of clinical information that came in a cardiac arrest. I'm going to take a three-second echo during a pulse check, maybe a random piece of history that I see on their EMR that, oh, they're on birth control. And I'm going to give a drug that if it's not a PE will definitely kill them. But if it is a PE, I might save their life. Like, think about that. You have to be very, very okay with the idea that you are going to make decisions based off of all which is relative information that you have in that moment. And you very well might be wrong. And that's a big burden to bear. It absolutely is. And then think about exhaustion. Again, we don't actually don't work as much as our colleagues. And I, I love when people bring up being exhausted because it's the actually look at the hours that we work. I work a lot less than my family practice friends and my orthopedic friends. And my, I mean, every other specialty friends, we work less hours. Now I would tell you our hours are more intense because they're not two patients an hour. It's not, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm in the OR today. I'm going to do five knees. It's, oh, I'm going to see 30 people in 10 hours. So it's a lot more exhaustive, which means a lot more EMR, a lot more interaction because of our great team. It's not, oh, I'm going to go around in the hospital in the morning and then go do the office in the afternoon. I'm going to deal with the two nurses. I'm going to deal with 16 nurses that are going to come at me with, hey, Dr. Little, I didn't know this order. Like it's very intense. So our time might not be as big, but our bandwidth that's being used at work is significantly higher than people who work more hours than us. We unfortunately get to see the worst of humanity. Again, I, I say it again, we see people on their worst day 
and not everybody's nice on their worst day. I'm not nice on my worst day. So I imagine other people aren't either. We don't have a ton of time to diagnose as we talked about. And then we talk about burnout, which again, I, I find interesting, but I also, it's real. I can't say it's not. We, we've all had colleagues or people that we know either early or later in their careers hang it up for one thing or another. It's sad that when I think about those people, though, I don't know if they're happier not doing this. And what I want to emphasize is that burnout is nothing new. Burnout has been in part of medicine since medicine existed in humanity. And burnout has been a part of emergency medicine since, oh my gosh, I think they first started talking about this to students and trainees in the 90s, maybe even earlier than that. This is nothing new to our specialty. This is nothing unique to our specialty. And it's just getting more FaceTime right now. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is that we have better training about burnout and better resources to recover from burnout than we have ever had at any other time in our specialties history. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a resident, I didn't get teaching about burnout. Maybe when I was a third year, we got one lecture about self-care and wellness. Be maybe sure to do more yoga. And yeah. Eat free range yeah. kale. Exactly. And that's, the, and that's how you're going to, that's how you're going to, that's how you're going to, you're going to do it. Yeah. yeah well, and, and then, and then when they talk about burnout, there's this whole like, well, you got to find balance. And it's like, well, how do I find balance? Like there are not 120 hours in a week that I can be awake. And so it's then, you know, then I remember RPD that Jeff and I love Bill Frazier. He said, find that one thing. That's the whole city slicker thing. Find the one, the one thing that recharges you at a five to six time level of what you do. And so, and the problem is, is that if, if EM was to do an audit of itself, we are really bad at finding that one thing. And we are really good at picking things that will not do it. Absolutely. And so now we're being taught lessons like that about how we are supposed to deal with burnout, not if it happens, but when it happens, because it doesn't matter what specialty you're in, you're going to go through a period of time when you don't like your job, which is burnout. And we now have more and more resources on a national level, at a local level with our institutions to help you recover from it. Our institution has at least three major resources that are all dedicated to mental health and physician recovery from burnout. This is actually an amazing time to go through a period of where you don't necessarily like what you do on a daily basis because you can actually get better from it as opposed to 20 years ago when it was the kiss of death maybe for your career. Yeah, and, and, and then add the fact that because our specialty has been around long enough and it's well-respected enough to where there are avenues that saying I'm a board-certified emergency physician gets you into places that it didn't get you 5, 10, 15 years ago to where you can find that thing that gets you really happy about being a doctor exactly, and still work a little bit exactly. at EM, but mm-hmm. go do something else a couple of days a yep. month, whether it's whether it's event medicine or it's occupational health or you know I, one, one of our partners where I work, he he has he works with 50 professional athletes and does sports medicine with them and that's all because he does emergency medicine went golfing with somebody and then had a conversation like I like to not do this a couple of days a month like well I have a golfer you want to work with a golfer and he just started doing it and, and and because he was an EM physician he knows how to competently take care of people in an emergency and so he can take care of all the sports medicine stuff he knows how to run diagnostic tests we're also very ingenuitive and we're smart so we can learn things very very quickly and we're not really set on what we do because our our skill set is to to learn on the fly. And so you get all these really cool set of skills that if one day you wake up that I don't want to do this for 180, 180 hours a month, you don't have to. There's something else you can do and you're not you don't own a practice that you have to sell that leads to, you know, what am I going to do with my nurses and my techs and you say, don't have to have an operating room don't have to, to have work an operating out room. Of. Yeah, I don't have to have a relationship with a hospital I can say hey, I need to work less cuz I want to do something fun. 
And there's really no other specialty in medicine that gives you that, gives you that availability. But I just want to point this out, Andy, that one of the maybe weaknesses or not strengths of, of emergency medicine, you actually just turned into a strength. The fact that we don't have to work every day, that we can do other things that we're interested, that we have this skill set that's desired no matter what you choose to do if it's not work shifts in the emergency department. So it's just funny listening to you say that because that weakness turned into an actual strength. So I guess if you're listening to this episode, you've got four people here that will tell you that it's bright. But if each one of us could pick a thing about EM that makes it bright and allows our future to be a positive forecast, what would it be? I actually like that first thing that you listed, the thrill of the challenge, because I interpret that to be so many different aspects of my job. It's the challenge of confronting a system that does not do right by my patients, which is exhausting, but also a challenge when we see change happen and a huge success when we see that happen. It's the challenge of my undifferentiated seizure patient uh, two nights ago when I was on shift who had hyponatremia of 110. And we were frantically trying to figure out why he had hyponatremia of 110 and then realized he had peed out four liters in an hour. And that opened my discovery brain box. You don't get that everywhere else. It is the challenge of trying to work with so many different other people from so many different other avenues and so many different specialties and constantly learning more about their specialty that then turns around and allows me to do my job better. I love it. I would go to, to dovetail off of that or to piggyback however you want to bring that together it is the idea that being the jack of all trades has its strengths. And to me, that's the biggest one is that we can pick up any 10 minutes part of a patient patient exam or patient scenario. And we have the ability and the training to just run with it and do right by our patients. And we don't have this like fixed mindset of, oh, that's outside of my realm of appropriateness. Or I, I don't know that because it's, well, I don't know that I'm going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out now. We're going to do it now. And so I think there's a ton of like life lessons that will make other parts of your life better because of the training you get in emergency medicine. That goes with Molly's point. I, I like to think of it as I'm the Sherlock Holmes and sometimes I pass off to Watson in a way. And so I like being the Sherlock Holmes and kind of trying to piece the puzzle together. And sometimes I will and sometimes I won't. But then I know I need to pass it off to someone else. And I'm okay with that. But at the times where I really need to solve it, all of a sudden it's like, it's me. And I get that excitement. When I talk to other folks from other specialties, they're usually like, you get to do the initial workup. You get to try to figure out what's going on with the patient. And we just kind of take it and run with the workup. So it's almost like we're deciding what's going to happen with the patient. And that to me is incredible. So Andy, I think I interpreted your question a little bit differently. I mean, I can't agree more with everyone else here, but you asked me why you think emergency medicine is bright. And I think EM is bright because of our students that are continuing to come and explore our specialty, right? So we've been talking about, man, we had a bunch of, you know, we had this really scary jobs report. We had huge decrease in the amount of applicants and we had a lot of unmatched spots. But you know what? We also had a lot of students and a lot of incredible people that said, yeah, I see that and I hear that and I understand that, but I still have this calling to do this job. And, and that's why we have a bright specialty, because we still have students that are listening to this podcast, that are finding mentors, that are asking questions to try to confirm if this is the good specialty for them. And I don't know if this is a negative thing to say, but if you're swayed away from this job without actually talking to someone who's in it, then maybe this isn't for you in the first place. Chills down my spine, Jeff. Like, ah, oh, yes. 
well, we're going to end there. Jeff, Dean, and Molly, thanks so much for hopping on for this segment. Well, thanks for making it all the way to the end of that Med Student Over Easy episode. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or head on over to our blog, emovereasy.com. Also, don't forget, we are the official podcast for the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. You can learn more about this great organization by heading to acoep.org, where you can find about an upcoming CME event where you might get to see a few of your EM Over Easy hosts live and in person for a show. Until next time, thanks so much. Thank you.